So this is the first Wednesday night of the month, and our first Wednesday nights of the month, we have kind of a a church family gathering where we uh, observe communion together, and we'll be doing that in a few moments. Um, We also do uh, different things at our Wednesday night communion service. Sometimes I'll have people come up and share testimonies, or we'll spend time praying, and different things like that. But tonight, before we uh, do communion, we are going to ordain Lenny Beck as a pastor into the ministry. <laughs> In just a few minutes, I'm going to ask Lenny to come forward, and then I'm going to ask uh, the elders of our church to come forward, and uh, I think Pastor Mike, where are you? Pastor Mike, Redeeming Grace, I'll have you come forward. And a couple of the men within your women, uh, not your women's ministry, that'd be weird. A couple of the men within your, your prison ministry that are going to come up, and we're going to lay hands on Lenny and pray for him. But let me give you just a few words of explanation, first of all. Um, in the New Testament, Book of Acts and, and the letters that Paul wrote, we find that it was a practice of the church to appoint elders in the church, to recognize the, the call of God on a man's life for ministry. And, and you see it right off in the beginning. In Acts chapter 6, we read, In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So you have a growing church in Jerusalem, and there's an issue between uh, different groups of widows. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. So seven guys were chosen. The hand of God was recognized upon them to do that business. And so they were brought and they were prayed for. And then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So that's the first occasion. And then in Acts chapter 13, there's a brand new church that's been planted in Antioch. So you got Jerusalem and then Antioch, the second major hub of the church. And we read there, now in the church it was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, and those guys are listed there. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, notice the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So here's a church that's gathering together. They're in worship, they're in prayer, they're fasting. It 
there, there's a work that's going to be done. Uh, the church, the gospel needs to be preached. More churches need to be planted. And they're considering that. And the Holy Spirit sets apart two guys, Barnabas and Saul. He says, I've called them, I've equipped them. And so the church recognizes that and lays hands on them and ordains them or appoints them to that work. So Paul will go out. By the way, Saul is also Paul. And he will go on his first missionary journey with Barnabas, and they'll go out and they're planting churches all over the place. And towards the end of that first missionary journey, we read, so when they had appointed elders or pastors in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So churches are being established, churches are being planted, and a very key moment is for elders to be recognized as leaders in the church, and they're ordained, and Paul made sure that would happen. And this is something that he would continue for the rest of his ministry. One of the last letters that he writes to Titus For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. So throughout the early part of church history, we see right there at the beginning, God calling certain individuals to ministry, be it a pastor or an elder or be in a mission field type role. The church recognizes that calling and ordains them. And so uh, that is what ordination is. Ordination is the recognition and affirmation of a leader in the church by the church. So it's a very important distinction. Please understand this. We're recognizing Lenny. The church doesn't ordain anybody into the ministry. The church doesn't call anybody into the ministry. As a pastor, I don't ordain anyone into the ministry. I don't call anyone into the ministry. God calls people into the ministry. God ordains. The church recognizes that. And comes alongside that man that God has chosen. And we recognize that call in his life. And we affirm him. And we say, yes, the Holy Spirit has set Lenny apart to be a minister, to be a pastor. And we are absolutely uh, convinced of that. We, We attest, we affirm, we recognize the hand of God upon Lenny's life. Lenny's been a part of the church here for many, many years. He's served as an elder here for many, many years. Um, he does a lot of things behind the scenes. Um, he does, he's helped with marriage counseling. He's done teaching. He's done all kinds of different serving. He's helped um, a sister church of ours in their building project. Uh, he does a lot of things behind the scenes that nobody sees. And he's a preacher of the gospel, and he's a teacher of the Bible, and, and he's gifted at it. And those, most of you who know Lenny know that his specific calling in the Lord is to serve as a chaplain. He goes into all the different prisons, and, and he shares the gospel with the prisoners, provides church 
for the, for the prisoners, gives Bible studies to the prisoners. And, and Lenny also mentors a bunch of people to go with him. It seems like every other week somebody says, yeah, Lenny took me to the prison. Lenny has literally raised up an army, an army of people who have gone into the prisons with system with him and trained them and, and just an incredible discipler that Lenny is. So we affirm that. We see God's hand upon him and we attest that he's called. And so the church recognizes it. We're not calling Lenny. We're recognizing the fact that God has called Lenny. You see the difference? That's what we do when we ordain. So you saw most of the examples. When you ordain, you, you lay hands on and you pray for him. That's symbolic. In laying hands on, on Lenny, it, it, we're, we're not like conveying power to Lenny. We're, we're conveying a sense of authority, though. Before the church, we're saying we recognize who Lenny is, and you know we're we're putting our hands upon him, saying that he's he's got that full backing of the church leadership to be called. And also, as we lay our hands upon him and pray for him, we're praying that his ministry will continue to be fruitful. So it's a commissioning. It's like the church saying, "Yep." We're behind this guy, and we want him to be fruitful. We want him to succeed. We want him to be used by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we'll be doing. Now, I'm, I've got a certificate here for, for Lenny, and there's two verses that we put on our certificate of ordination. Jeremiah 23, 4, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Lenny, we commission you to feed God's people. To provide care for them. To come alongside and help those people that are broken. You do it so well. We ask that you continue to do that. And we also put this verse at the top of your certificate. Where Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So our prayer is that you'll be fruitful. That much fruit will be produced through your life. So with that call, I'm going to have you come up and just let's stand right here. Right there at the front. Ground level. And then I want my elders to come up. Come on up, guys. And we're just going to kind of like surround this guy. And then Mikey, I want you to come up. And then a couple of the men from uh, the prison ministry. Who would like to go up there? Oh, good for you, Fernie. Come on up. Thank you, Pastor Terry. I am so honored and humbled to be here. You know, God gives us our accomplishments, our successes. And in God's economy, most of the time, he uses people to help us along the way. 
And God's put so many just amazing people in my life that's helped me along the way. <clears throat> so I'm going to talk a little bit about <clears throat> my life timeline, how the Lord worked in my life through people in the church, in the prison. <clears throat> and first, I'd like to say... <clears throat> I've been at, like Pastor Terry said, I've been a chaplain in the correctional department for over 15 years. And a lot of people ask, what's the difference between a chaplain and a pastor? A pastor works in a church with a congregation, and a chaplain works in an institution like a jail, um, the army, the police department, a hospital. Um, A pastor keeps the same congregation for quite a while. In uh, institutions, there's a um, big turnover. And so I try to take advantage of every minute I have with men. Um, God's given me some of the most powerful words to speak to um, a person. That is, how can I pray for you? And uh, so I say that a lot to men that I meet in the hallways, at the jail, in the yard, at prison. And uh, sometimes they're angry that they're in prison, so they don't look very approachable. And so, but you know what? Those words, how can I pray for you, brings down walls. It softens hearts. And they tell me their their problems, and I ask them about their relationship with God. Ask them if they know for sure they're going to go to heaven. And and if they don't, ask them if I can take them to the Bible and show them how they can be sure. And many times they receive Christ. How can I pray for has been so powerful. Um, I have so many people to thank. I'm going to talk kind of fast because I have a lot to say. I have to thank my wife for... Um, putting up with me, prison ministry takes some time. I've spent many weekends, four-day weekends away from home. Sometimes I get called for emergency calls um, at the jail and late at night. So thank you, my love. Um, I have to thank my father for leading me to the Lord. In his way, bless his heart, he told me that him and my mother got together with God and made me. And in my four-year-old mind, I pictured my parents on a cloud with God, and they tipped their heads, and there I was. Now, that's a funny story, but I love that story because I can trace my gift of faith today back to when I was a four-year-old. And it illustrates how uh, much um, power the words of a father has in a parent's life. In prison ministry, you meet men that have that had such bad parents. They taught them to do bad. They were destined to go to prison. Um, so I'm thankful because you don't pick your parents. Um, so I went out in life. Uh, my father taught me how to pray and believe in God. But we never went to church or read the Bible, so I had a kind of a distorted view of who God was. And I went out in life. I was really a rebellious teenager. When I was 22, someone invited me to go to church. That is powerful. That day, the pastor explained God's plan for our life. He told me that um, sin separates us from God, and that the punishment of sin is death. But Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And if you receive that free gift, you can um, be a child of God forever, for eternity. And then he gives you his Holy Spirit and the joy of being part of the church, the most powerful organization in the world. And you can tell I bought into that totally. I get excited. Um, Pastor that baptized me, my friend Jim Wilson, he um, taught me the word, spent a lot of time with me, a small church. um, So he had time to pour into me. And uh, we played a lot of racquetball and golf together. Um, it, it, and then there was another brother that accepted the Lord about the same time I did, and Charlie Handron. We went through our conversion together and um, listened to the Bible while we worked and messages, and he ended up 
be getting a double master's degree and is one of John Piper's pastors right now for the last 20 years. Um, praise God. God is good all the time. And uh, then came in the church um, a pastor that really grew the church. The church grew, and we could afford a youth pastor. And <clears throat> um, before that, they had to settle with me. I was the youth leader, and uh, along with some other people. And Jeff Bowman, I learned a lot from a man. <clears throat> and, uh, but Pastor Larry Gatlin, my friend, we have the same kind of personality, so really meshed in ministry. Um, he taught me, and we taught the kids the word. We took kids to Skid Row, L.A., to other rescue missions, crippled children's homes. And as youth ministry grow, goes, we probably went on every roller coaster in Southern California with them. <clears throat> And uh, at, during that time, there's a brother named um, Chris Warshaw, my friend, invited me to go to prison for the first day. And I remember in the chapel, I was waiting for the inmates to come in. And all of a sudden trickled in these bald-headed, buff, tattooed men that had worn-out Bibles and the love of Jesus in their eyes. I went to a, he, he gave me a tour of the yard of a building. I went into a prison cell for the first time, and I went home, and God just wouldn't leave me alone about it. He, I kept on thinking about these men. I, when I'd go to bed, I'd think about them sleeping in their two-inch mattresses. When I'd eat, I would, uh, I would think of the trays that they ate off of, and uh, that's when I decided to get in, more into prison ministry. I kept going back, and... Uh, And then God gave me a verse. Um, he spoke to me through Ezekiel 3. Ezekiel 3, verse 15. Then I came to them of the captivity of Tel Aviv that dwelt by the river Chabar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. I thought, whoa, I was just astonished when I sat with where they sat, when I felt their pain, when I was with them. And the verse goes on, and it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made you a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word of my mouth and give them warning for me. And I felt called by God right there that day to be a watchman to the... um, to the captives at Calipatria State Prison in California. And uh, <clears throat> so I decided, <clears throat> I felt called to go in full-time prison ministry, and I talked to the senior pastor of the church at the time, and his my friend Jason Dickey, and I said, I'm feeling like God's calling me to go into full-time prison ministry. And I thought he was going to say something like, okay, let's pray about it. Maybe give me a list of things I needed to do. And he looked at me with a smile on his face and a twinkle in his eye and said, I've been praying for someone in the congregation to go full-time in ministry. You are an answer to my prayers. How can I help you? I thought, whoa, that was like telling a hungry dog. Sick him. So I, <laughs> and so I kept on ministering. And another pastor friend of mine is the pastor of a church in Indio, and bless his heart, he's a soldier for the Lord. He um, moonlighted as a Riverside County Sheriff. And he told me that the jail needed a chaplain. You want to um, be the chaplain? And I said, yes, I would. And so he told me where to go. And I became the chaplain of this jail in Indio. And, uh, you know, God really cut my teeth in that ministry because there was an inmate there that was just a, a heinous serial killer. And he committed crimes in our town. And so the whole town seemed to hate him. Everyone knew him, who he was, what he did. 
and I was his chaplain, and I was called to love him. So I built a relationship with him um, to the point where one time I met with him for a, almost a couple hours one night, and, at the, and he told me way too much that I wanted to hear. Um, but then I told him how God has worked in my life, and he can work in his life too, and I called him to, to a decision, and he said no. But I tried. I left that night. It was, it was really strange. I felt bad. I, I felt... Um, kind of dirty, like for being loving and, and nice to the guy and kind. And that was unlike what my feelings were, but I felt that way and I just couldn't like wash it off or wipe it off. And uh, I felt bad that night when I went to sleep. I felt bad um, the next morning when I wake up, woke up. I felt bad that day. I felt bad that when I went to sleep that night and I felt bad when I woke up the next day. And I said, Lord, am I going to feel like this for the rest of my life? And only time, almost an audible voice, loud, God said to me, that's the way I see all sin. And whoa, which includes my sin. Okay, Lord, it snapped me right out of it. And I say that, that every prison minister needs to come to grips, that sometimes you come across the worst of the worst, and you need to love them the same. Um, in our... At the Sanchez unit on Tuesday nights, we teach the men, that, that we teach that you know, a lot of inmates have done bad things, but that doesn't make them a bad person. And they're not too far gone for the blood of Jesus to wash them clean and become a new person. Book of James teaches us not to have favoritism. So that's a place you need to get um, with, with men that have been in prison. <clears throat> so <clears throat> after that time that uh, I was with that, that inmate, um, God put on my heart a morning theme verse. And it was kind of like when I was in the morning waking up. And it's Psalm 63. I still quote that verse when I wake up in the morning. It goes, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory as I've seen you in the sanctuary, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. And, and I kind of remember that time back then when, when God spoke to me. Um, then I, going on, um, going on, I was ministering in the jail and the prison, and um, a, a dear friend of mine, ministry partner and business associate, um, uh, met this um, dear believer, a brother in El Paso. And they married and moved here. And I was out visiting them. And uh, I was in a Sunday school class that Ray um, was teaching. It's Ray and Lynn Waddle. And uh, good friends of ours. And they knew Saranda. I didn't know Saranda yet. I sat down in the Sunday school class a little early, and then Saranda came in, and that's when I met my beautiful bride-to-be. Um, and Lynn was a little matchmaker. She put us together, and, and uh, we had a long-distance relationship for a while, and I finally said, we've got to either do this or not. So I came out to visit Lynn and Ray for a week, and we had a date for a week. And at the end of the week, with all my heart, I wanted to ask Saranda to marry me. Now, my brain <laughs> was not on board yet. I was saying, this is crazy. I have a, a ministry, a job, a life in California, and I know like five people in El Paso. And so I was praying hard in, at Ray's desk in his house, 
And, and uh, I said, Lord, if you want me to move to El Paso, show me a ministry and show me a job. And I got up from that prayer, and <clears throat> first person I called, I knew Rosie. Rosie, are, are you still here? I'm missing you. There you are, Rosie. Hey. Um, John Rosenberger, um, affectionately known as Rosie, the retired Army colonel. I, I called him, and I said, you got a place for me in the ministry at the prison in Las Cruces? And he said, come on down. I said, all right. And then I asked Ray Wadel if he had a position for me in his insurance brokerage. He said, yes. So I moved to El Paso on a Friday. And the first Saturday morning that I was here, I went to one of the Kairos team meetings. And I met 15 or 20 of the greatest believers you could ever meet. And that just made my heart sing. It confirmed that it was a good move. And two of the people I met that day was um, one was Tom and Jan. Now, Tom is the grandfather of that ministry. He has led thousands of inmates to the Lord. He has probably got hundreds of, of uh, volunteers to come in and work with prisoners. And Tom, I learned so much from you. And I know you saw me grow. Thank you. And then there's a sidekick, Jan Thomas. Now, Jan, um, you don't know what's coming when you meet Jan because he seems like a real humble guy. But I'll tell you about a conversation we had a few weeks ago. It, it kind of went like this. I think I remember correctly. Jan was saying, um, <laughs> I'm on my way to, to Venezuela to talk to the prime minister so he could help me start prison ministries in all the prisons in the country. Jan has started prison ministries in countries in five different continents of the world. He might have started more prison ministries than anyone in the world. I don't know about that, but he is my friend, and God put you into my life, and you've helped me so much, brother. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> and then it comes to um, in prison ministry here in El Paso. I'm ministering in prisons. Um, I was looking for an early morning Bible study to go to um, for men, and that's when I stumbled, or the Lord led me to, Bruce Conkle and the Friday morning Bible study here. And that's when I was introduced to um, the Calvary Chapel verse-by-verse verse way. Um, I, I don't see well. I'm not wearing my glasses. Where is Bruce? There you are, Bruce. All right. Bruce, you're a real blessing to me. Thank you. I learned, and then Saranda and I started coming to church here. It was a funny story. I, Saranda was sick one Sunday, and so I took off to go to church, and I thought, hey, I can go to church anywhere I want. So I came to Calvary. <laughs> and first time at church, and I, I met another visitor in the parking lot, actually from San Diego, California, right by Palm Desert, kind of where I used to live. And so we talked a little bit as we came up. I was talking to Bruce at the doorway and another greeter and the other um, person was talking to another greeter. And uh, I'm listening to both conversations at the same time. And the um, other guest was uh, saying that he had a problem. And the greeter took him to the side of the building and prayed with him before he even entered the church. And I'm thinking, this is my kind of church. I heard... Terry preached that day, awesome message, and uh, we started coming here, and uh, oh goodness, Terry, I've learned so much from you. I think you know that I've learned more about public speaking from you than I have from anyone. You've been such a blessing to me, and we're thankful for you. Thank you, brother. I love you. Um, and then we were in uh, Children's Church for a while, for a year or two. We've been serving in the cafe. Um, now, the cafe is more than just caffeine and sugar. 
you know, we, we, and, and we say, and I've said, that they make some awesome frappes better than Starbucks, and they're only three bucks. We have Lupita's tamales and burritos, some of the best food in town, so it is some of the best things in there that you can get. But what I say, if people don't feel welcome, we failed. And so it's to help people feel welcome, get the fellowship going. I can remember one time specifically, oh, it's too bad Leticia's not here, but she'll probably see this. Um, we were in the cafe serving, and we had the line going out to the door. You've been there probably. And we're busy. We're moving. And then a man came up with his son and said his son was going to go into the Army tomorrow. And I'm thinking, I should pray for him. I'm looking at the door. We're moving. And I look, <laughs> I look at Leticia. And I just glimpsed at her, and she goes. <laughs> and so I said to the young man, um, that's awesome. God forbid that something happens and you don't come back. Do you know for sure if you're going to go to heaven when you die? And he said, no. And I said, can I show you in the Bible? And he said, yes. And I led him to the Lord, and we prayed for him to receive Christ right there in the cafe. His father had tears in his eyes. And uh, and. That's an example of there's a lot more that goes on in a cafe than caffeine and sugar. And you know what? We need more volunteers, so if you're interested, come on down. Second <laughs> um, Timothy chapter 2. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The Lord has brought so many volunteers to us. And it first happened, my dear friend, Fernie Santana. Uh, I can't see, there you are. Fernie, we were talking, and I said, have you ever thought about prison ministry? And he said, yeah, I'd like to go back in, and, and gave me his testimony. It was awesome, and he's been faithfully going into the prison. But it's been about 10 years, hasn't it? Time flies when you're having fun. I don't remember, but he's, we've been in four different prisons and jails, and, and it, even on Tuesday nights now, it's the Sanchez unit, and you go to southern New Mexico on Mondays, and uh, here's the first one. And then there was Alfredo Gonzalez. My goodness, we met when he was in jail. It was a funny story. It was the Lord led me to him because he asked for a priest, and that's not what the, requ- the request I received was. And I came out, and, and he came out. It was really unusual in chains, and I asked the officer to take him off, and he said no. And so and Alfredo said to me, um, where are you, Alfredo? Okay, there you are. You're hiding behind Dale. Um, <clears throat> and he said, aren't you supposed to have a collar? And I said, I'm Christian, not Catholic, but it's the same Bible. But we can talk about Jesus if you want to. And and he did. We did. And I don't know for how many weeks we met before you went off to prison. And then you got out and called me. And these men face a lot of challenges when they get out. And Alfredo just plowed over the challenges. He kept going to the prison. Again, for prisons and a jail we've been in we actually went back to the jail where i met him and he was um, in street clothes and ministering he ministers at sanchez on tuesday nights and started his own ministry repair the breach ministries he ministers to people in the street and in prisons and youth um lord has really blessed me with him in my life i during covid i was going crazy 
um, you know, being like this with people in ministry. And then it stopped. And I called Alfredo and said, I'm going crazy. We've got to get in the word Zoom once a week. And so he said yes. And so he, was, he rescued me during COVID. And so many other people. I know Fred Quintana is here. Um, the whole Bridges to Life um, Bible-based class that we teach at Sanchez. Um, goodness, there's 12 of us that go in the prison on a weekly basis. That is more than I ever could imagine. And it's just getting better and better. And there's room for more. Um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> the Lord has, has spoken to me. In a, I'm going to go to Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that I have committed to you. And lo, I am with you to always to the very end of the world. God has called me to preach and teach the gospel to all nations, the prison nation. Um, and, and I commit for the rest of my life every day that I can still breathe to preach the gospel and let inmates know and that, that God loves them and he can change it in their lives. And before I, before I stop, before I conclude here, um, I wanted to let you know that my ministry, the ministry that God has given me, his ministry, um, doesn't just start when I enter a prison, when I go through those razor wire gates. It starts when I wake up in the morning. It's going on when I'm here. If, I, if you ever need me for anything, please call on me. I'm here for everyone. I love you, church family. I love you, family and friends and ministry partners. Um, let me close in prayer before I, I give it back to Pastor Terry. Oh, Lord God, I thank you that you're such an awesome God, that you use us and, and bless us and reveal your glory to us and other people through us. I thank you for that. And, Lord, I pray that you strengthen me to be the man that you created to be me to be, to be the husband and father that you created to me, me to be, the friend, the prison minister, the church minister that you created me to be. I thank you, Lord, that your word tells us that we can do all things in Christ that strengthens us. We love you, Lord, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. formal certificate and even a clergy card, man. Well, I think it was getting to push this off the table. Do you recognize God's hand upon him? Most certainly. I'm going to go ahead and have us uh, dim the lights, and I want our worship band to come on up. And I want the elders to come up here in the front.
Lord, thank you for this blessed time together. In Jesus' name, amen.